vibe. No vibe. Always a vibe. They they might have noticed there's somebody else here. <laughs> something is definitely something different. Something here. different. Excellent. I'm Kim Cash Tate. Yes. This is my friend. Right. I am Lamont Blackshire, but you call me Spec. And this is my son. Uh, what's your name? Hey, I'm Quentin. Hello. Quentin. And this is the Gospel, the Gospel Friendship, Friendship Podcast. Podcast. Absolutely. Dude, it's so cool having somebody else here with us. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Super dope. Super dope. All right. Well, um, this episode is on um, something we don't hear about a lot, but is a real, real big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been an issue with me, mm-hmm. and um, it's been an issue with Quinn, and he's going to say a few things about it, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to help some people. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Loneliness. Loneliness. Um, new report that just came out, uh, 2019, um, finds that younger and younger adults um, appear to be uh, lonely. It says that um, 10 years ago, um, that the majority of people that were lonely were 30 and above, and now it is millennials and Gen X. So those two figures merged. The study uh, found that 46% of U.S. adults um, report sometimes feeling lonely or always feeling lonely. 46% of the population. Um half. That's almost half. That's serious. And we often hear that loneliness is an epidemic. Yeah. And if it's almost half of the population, that's that's an epidemic. Yeah, that so is. So we want to talk about that today on the podcast. Absolutely. With two people who have dealt with loneliness. If you have um, seen my YouTube video from a few years ago, my son was in that video and we talked about some of his challenges growing up and now he is 23 mm-hmm. and said he wouldn't mind getting on the podcast to share himself about what he has dealt with in being lonely yeah, and big. the struggles that he's had so would you share with us what you have dealt with in terms of feeling lonely so presuming that people, not everyone has watched the video, right. I suppose. Right. Um, yes. So I suppose you could say that essentially for all of my life, really, I never really had someone I could call a friend in the real sense of the word. Um, obviously, I've had acquaintances. I can hold a conversation if someone else starts it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> of course, that's not going to happen in every venue. So... Uh, yeah, that, of course, that has taken its toll, mm-hmm. especially in uh, later years. So again, as we mentioned, um, and uh, for those who did watch the video, um, it, it that caused a lot of uh, pain in early childhood up through teenage years, a lot of confusion, a lot of, uh, I suppose, attempts to try to maybe, on my part, mostly try to fix whatever perceived problem there was or something of that nature and... Uh, just finding nothing really worked in that sense. Mm-hmm. So again, that can take its toll, whether mm-hmm. that be psychologically, spiritually, or whatever. So yeah. So you know, as his mother, knowing that he 
was going through this for many years and still still goes through this at times um it's very very difficult um i have seen it up close i have seen the pain of loneliness i have seen the the struggles and just praying for years and wondering why god would not send a friend for quentin so would would you say that you still deal with loneliness well yes um of course, uh, in the current situation, living alone, it can be a problem because mm-hmm. um, I'm not a, a go out type of person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to, I suppose, at least for me, as I get older, to try to change my ways, as it were. Uh, so yet I spend most of my days uh, by myself um, with my homework or my books or something. Because you, uh, you are in grad school. Yes. So you're, you're, he's on campus and he's going to classes and all those things. He just moved out of the house a couple of months ago. So he has uh, he, he's living in graduate housing in the area. Yes, but still, of course, when I am on campus, you hear about people talking about they're in this group or that group or they're doing this with these people over here or whatever. And you're thinking, OK, uh, I mean. On some sense, I'm not surprised that I don't hear about it. But on the other side, it's okay. How do you do this so fast? Mm-hmm. As if it's just natural. Mm-hmm. So, because me, I have to think: Do I want to go to this thing first? Uh, if I do, uh, what? 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 If I do, what do I do? If no one talks to me, do I go back home? Do I sit in the corner? Do I just things that most people, I suppose, at least so it appears, kind of do without thinking? Yeah, just very. Um, Maybe not loner per se, but um, or at least certainly not by choice, I suppose, just kind of um, by circumstance. I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Um, I know it was hard to understand, I think, as for for your dad and I just trying to understand because neither one of us could identify with what you were feeling because ne- for for his dad and I, my husband and I, we both are very um, easygoing in social circles and that kind of thing. And so we had to understand what he was going through and we would try to talk him through things and even role play. Remember, we used to role play and say, well, this is what you do and this is how you talk to people. And um, he's had counseling. There's been all kinds of things, but the bottom line is we knew that it, it just had to be prayer and had to be a focus on the Lord and what he could do in Quentin's life. And, but it's been, it's been hard. It's been hard to watch, to not see God answer in the way that we would want him to answer. And I remember when you were maybe 16 or 17, um, we had a conversation and you said, well, Jesus is my best friend. Yes. Uh, well, 15. 15. You remember that? <laughs> you were 15. Yes. Uh, yes. That was shortly after I got saved, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And uh, actually, it was because of that, that uh, because of that whole uh, idea, which, of course, I'd heard on some level since the age of like five. Mm-hmm. But um, the first time it actually was internalized mm-hmm. was, uh, at that time. So, yeah. Do you still regard Jesus as your best friend? 
Yes, but there you get into a thing because, of course, that's how the the enemy likes to attack now. <laughs> mm. So uh, uh, most of my uh, uh, I don't know how you want to say it um, kind of battle thing is trying to fight a. I mean, obviously not a separation because there can't be a separation in that sense. But trying to. Um, uh, I mean, just uh, of course, these ideas about you know having to deal with uh is this sin going to kind of um make him upset or is that does he consider that a deal breaker and i have to get myself together before i can uh get this relationship back to where it needs mm, to be mm, things like that if that makes sense what's so. to come between that, that friendship because he knows that that's what you're hanging on to and because we're talking about this because this is a gospel friendship podcast. We can only have a gospel friendship through Christ. And so we have to remember that in Christ, Jesus is our first friend and he can be our best friend before anybody else. There should be Jesus. And so I remember how that just blew me away that it wasn't me telling you, well, Jesus can be your best friend. You said it to me. You said, Jesus is my best friend. So of course the enemy would want to take away your most powerful, <laughs> loving friend and make you think that if you do anything that you can mess up that friendship, which you cannot because you are in Christ. Um, of course he would want to take the one thing that is everything. But I praise God that Jesus has you. So we have, we have loneliness from this standpoint, from my son's standpoint of never feeling like he has, has had a friend and loneliness in actually being alone oftentimes as he's grown up and, and even now, but loneliness has different faces to it because I was surprised to find out spec that you have dealt with loneliness. I actually, that was, um, man, that was, that was phenomenal. I haven't seen the video. So I hadn't seen the video. So I've, you know, and we've talked before, you know, of course I, you know, I'm around the fan, but I hadn't seen the video. That was, um, it's a phenomenal progression. I learned a lot. And, uh, it, towards the end, it actually resembles uh, my story a lot. So I was actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. So I was lonely, surrounded by more people that I could remember the names mm -hmm. because, I was traveling the world. I was doing shows. So, I mean, we'd be, you know, after a show, uh, we'd be standing there for hours, you know, um, shaking hands, kissing babies, taking pictures, you know, having small conversations and, you know, I'll follow you on Facebook and I'll, you know, I'll follow you here and I'll see you here. And, um, you know, just, uh, meeting new people every other day, mm -hmm. meeting slews of new people that were interested in meeting and, mm -hmm. um, in, in, you know, in our industry, we call it, you know, building mm -hmm. that's how we go we go build we're gonna, we gonna build with you mm -hmm. build with you but mm -hmm. you know so it was it was a lot but recently in in dealing with things and in, in healing like um it's, it's where god had to actually take like all of that away and i was actually alone for an extended period of time so god separated me from like everybody and and then i realized what was happening which was um that was my chaotic way of dealing with loneliness mm. was just surround 
dig myself with um, people. It, and it became um, a slave master. Mm. So I would do anything to surround myself with people. And so even uh, the development of my skills and talents was a method to keep people around me, to keep to build mm. value. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. if I build in a value, I'll be indispensable. And then they'll always want to be around me. They'll invite me places and I would never be alone. And, you know, I ended up tracing it back to, um, it's just interesting that what I now understand or consider a traumatic experience, but back then I didn't consider it a traumatic experience because mm-hmm. I had nobody to identify it as traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, my mom was going through a lot of things and she was going through some mental um, challenges and some marital challenges and a lot of challenges. But I guess, you know, as a 18 year old mm-hmm. teenager, I was just too much. And I just came home one day and the locks were changed. Not, you know, not like, um, hey, we need to talk. It's not appropriate for you to live here anymore until you follow some rules or things are changing. We need to do some stuff, but just the locks were changed. Mm. So that means like deliberately hired somebody to come out and change all the locks, all the windows. Right. And then was gone. And then my sister was gone. So like knowing when I'd be home just to not have to deal with it. So I was just there. And that's how I started adulthood. I was. Yeah. And when you first told me that I was shocked. And I was shocked that you were shocked. You were. And I said, this is, that's traumatic. I said, I, having kids who were about that age, I said, I can't imagine them coming home and we have changed the locks and they cannot get into their home with, with everything they own inside. And no. this is their home, but no. we have changed the locks and you are no longer welcome. I said, I can't imagine that. I didn't even think about it like that until recently and you know i praise god for this friendship because it really really revealed that to me where a lot of things were coming from Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's how i started adulthood so um i checked the locks looked through the windows tried everything i could tried to get in touch with my sister couldn't couldn't contact anybody so i got back on my bike and i was an adult and I left and I actually was hungry because I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So I went around the corner and stole lunch. That was the first time I ever stole anything. I was like, am I committing a crime right now? Like, mm-hmm. what is happening mm-hmm. on my first day of adulthood? Um, but, you know, I guess a couple of months later when um, I was able to get in touch with somebody and get like my stuff, um, like, it, you know, I got a couple reasons and it was because, you know, it was because you did this, you didn't check in. And I told you, you have to check in. If you don't check in, you know, you follow the, you didn't say if you don't check in, I'm going to kick you out. Like I didn't even get that warning, but still that would be, I wouldn't do that to my kids. That's harsh, but it was because of a couple things. Mm-hmm. So I developed this thing, uh, I guess where I was like, okay, so I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, mm. I'm going to be cut off immediately. And so that began a situation of needing as many relationships as possible, needing as many people around as possible because I was like, well, I'm not perfect and I'm going to get cut off. So I need to keep a perpetual line of people around me. And then I was like, what do I have to do to keep you as a friend? What do I have to do to keep you as a girlfriend? What do I have to do to keep you? What do I have to do to keep you as an employer? What do I have to keep you to keep you as a mentee? What do I have to do to keep you as a pastor? What do I have to keep you to keep you as a thing? And it was just works. And I was just working for people and trying to do favors and trying to be perfect and trying to give gifts. And, and I've Mm. been doing that for 20 years 
but feeling totally alone. Wow. Like in the back of my mind thinking, it's not going to last. They don't really like me. It's just really because of the stuff that I'm doing. I'm really alone. Um, and I developed this whole, you know, we've talked about this a lot, this whole, there's no such thing as friends. Mm-hmm. And I just developed that. And I, I realized it's a protective mechanism. It was mm-hmm. like, if I say there's no such thing as friends then I won't expect it mm-hmm. and I'll act accordingly. So mm-hmm. then when I get cut off or I do one thing wrong and it's over, mm-hmm. then um, I won't be, you know, surprised. Mm-hmm. Um so that was huge. Um, th- that's actually how I ended up becoming um, um, the 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 womanizer at an early age. It wasn't because I just wanted to be a womanizer, but when I got kicked out that day, I had nowhere to stay that night. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess yeah, I was homeless. So I was, I went from having a home to a homeless. So there was a girl that I was talking to. She had an apartment. That's where I stayed. Ended up marrying her. Um, and that, that was a, a, that was a thing. And that was one of my resources that I learned at a very young age that, uh, relationships can bring things, not a, but people don't want to be around you because of you. It's for what you can do for them. And so you need to do stuff for people. And this is the exchange of services, but I never had a real relationship. Like I never had with a friend, mm-hmm. with a person. I don't even know how many r- real friendships or relationships I might have missed just because it, it didn't process. Mm-hmm. But never. And I was very alone. And every time I wasn't surrounded with people, I was extremely anxious and paranoid, thinking, "Well, what are they thinking about me right now? Well, what are they thinking? You know what? I should text them just to let just to make sure that they're cool." Um, I haven't done something for that person in a while. Oh, I, I'm definitely going to need them. Let me, let me, you know, do this or, oh yeah, I'm going to be here next week. I don't want to be alone. So let me blah, blah, blah. And I was just lonely and driven by it. Um, when last year, when I made, um, when I'm really gave my life to God and that journey started um, and really, really just decided to be ruled by God. He started cutting everybody off. He blew my life up, started cutting everybody off. And it was the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Not because I wanted what was coming from relationships. Actually, the majority of relationships, because of how they were built, were super stressful. Mm-hmm. And they were um, transaction-based. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a friend anyway um, at that time. So I, I got cut off from a lot of people. And... um you know, I had you who was like a, a mentor and a mother figure at that time. And you were helping me with my walk with Christ. And it was like, yeah, I know this is how you've been doing it, but that's not how it's done. This is how it's done. This is what God wants. This is what the word says. And so it's like, we had that developing, but um, there was even a time where I was truly lonely. So mm-hmm. I, I was in Atlanta. My kids weren't around. Nobody was around. I felt totally lonely and I like called somebody from my past. I knew I shouldn't be talking to because mm-hmm. I was just lonely mm-hmm. and it was the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, everybody else has people around. I'm supposed to just not have people around and be lonely and be sad. Cause of what? Cause, cause it might be sinful. Cause the person that I'm talking to might want to try to pull me back into sin. Well, 
I'm strong enough to say no to that, but still be in the, to have the company, which I absolutely was not. Um, but I do remember, that's why I said uh, it was phenomenal that, that how your story ended. I do remember um, towards the end of this journey, um, it wasn't that long ago, months, not years. I was in the kitchen and I got up and I was lonely and I felt it and I had nobody to call and everybody was busy and I was super lonely and I was like mad at God for taking everybody out of my life because mm-hmm. I wanted companionship. I wanted to share and somebody to be interested in sharing with me. I remember being upset and um, I prayed to God in my uh, anger and, you know, I heard very, very clear colors day. Um, Jesus responded and said, I'm your friend. Mm. And I heard that and I was like, I'm crazy right now. That's, I didn't just hear that. That's just my church culture growing up in church <laughs> talking right everybody says i'm a friend of god god is your friend friend cleo stick closer than a brother i mean I have a, <laughs> there's a million hymns about that i was like that's what's going on here so but i i did and i was like all right god this is on you you did this this is the result of what you said you wanted so now i'm sitting here alone and now i don't want to go back to sinning because i just got out of that and that was a horrible situation so i'm not going to do that again god was again he was like i am your friend i was like all right if you're my friend then you're not mad at this and i just started going off and telling god (laughs) all the stuff i was mad about stuff i was going through blah 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 and about 20 minutes later i felt this, this is the thing so God created us and he is the master of everything, including our emotions. Mm-hmm. We don't actually have to go through the process for God to get the result because he's God. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but after this rant, and I, I guess you could call it a prayer. I don't know what it, what it was, but I was sharing angrily all the things that I was frustrated about. Mm-hmm. And here, and We're talking to God. I felt not, I felt peace. Mm-hmm. I felt heard. Mm-hmm. I felt listened to. Mm-hmm. I felt it was processed. I felt somebody was working on it mm-hmm. or cared. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just convinced I was, I, I, after that moment, there was a whole element of loneliness that is not there. Um, I still get lonely. I still find myself wandering around my living room sometimes wishing I had 50 people to text still Mm -hmm. but i think that's just my flesh but there's the hole is gone Mm. i know that god is there Mm -hmm. i know yeah so quentin do you ever do that just um rant so to speak (laughs) and just tell god how i I certainly have Uh, Uh (laughs) Uh i remember especially two years ago when i was uh this was junior year undergrad um Mm -hmm. I was starting to feel that loneliness very sharply um, because it's like, okay, I've been here in college for two years uh, and, you know, like uh, nothing's happening. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. (laughs) yes, I remember uh, just late one night. um, Yeah, I was just, I I mean, I remember I was throwing stuff. I was punching. I was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I still remember that was the first time I actually wept. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's cried, but then there's mm-hmm. like wept. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was almost as if I never actually allowed myself to kind of feel 
yeah. that I just, yeah. Just, I mean, even since childhood, almost just, and, and my, I think that's just my personality. I just kind of push it to the side. I don't mm. want to think about it. I'm going to go um, read about some obscure uh, nuance of theology or something mm-hmm. to drown this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but no, that was kind of the, uh, it was almost just as if everything kind of broke at that moment, I remember. And mm. there were a few times over, I guess, the next few days when I kind of was telling it like it was as it were mm-hmm. so um and i think i'd always i, I don't think i'd done it before because i thought that it was kind of irreverent mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. um and i guess it can be if, if depending on Hi. how you do it yeah i think I, I do think it was kind of an important step um at least in the past two years of kind of trying to work through some of this mm-hmm. stuff and even um because actually when, when you were starting to talk and talking about kind of trying to I don't think you use the word manipulate, but I'll just use the word kind of people into yeah. Yeah. staying around. I kind of started to realize that I do that also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of have to check myself even now about, okay, why exactly am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Am I just trying to inject myself into something that's not even my business? Or am I trying to impress this person with uh, knowing five, six languages or something? Mm-hmm. So, um, Which you do, <laughs> five or six languages. So, I mean, yes, I might know this but do i really need to tell this person that am i just saying this so that the next time they need help on their test or something they'll call me mm-hmm. or is, is this actually pertinent to the discussion or something mm-hmm. and just things like that which of course is difficult because in my flesh i want to manipulate this person so mm-hmm. i'll have somebody to text but uh that's still that's just it's it's just not the best way to go about it and you as will you will see something as manipulation that isn't even manipulation, right? But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, it, I'm just I just overthink things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, good word though. I appreciate that word. See, you guys don't know um, Kim. You know, she's a regular person, but she really doesn't care about what a lot of people think about her. So <laughs> she she does her thing. But uh, but um, yeah, feel free to edit that out. No, I just had to just uh chime in and 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 on what he was saying that is i think i'm just realizing through this discussion that is a prime symptom of loneliness to try to combat loneliness like not just staying alone but trying to you know use the word manipulate i use the word trying to impress or add value Mm -hmm. um to get people to Mm -hmm. want to be around you to get Mm -hmm. people to call you to get people to text you Mm -hmm. oh my gosh Quinn I got in impossible situations where I wasn't sleeping for three or four days because I committed to so many people I would commit to this person and be like oh yeah I'll help you with that yeah I'll produce that for you absolutely I'll meet you there you know what I'll go on the road with you there yep I'll take that call with you there but it just never saying no to anybody it was my validation and um man i just feel like that could help somebody that is overworked and overcommitting mm-hmm. and in too deep with way too many things i just i just have to concur that like quinn said you have to really check yourself like why am i doing this why am i committing to this person why am i committing to this this thing um is it just to impress them is it just to get a call back you know I think what I'm hearing, though, is the importance of knowing 
that Jesus is our friend. And sometimes it doesn't seem like a tangible, (laughs) a tangible friendship that you can count on day to day. But I know, I know from being your mother, the fact that Jesus is your friend has kept you, has kept you for years. If Jesus were not your friend, I don't know where you would be because of, because I know the struggles and the pain. Um, but the fact that Jesus is your friend and that, you know, he's your friend has kept you. And so even as we have prayed for you to have other friends and have not seen that in the way that we would like to see it as your parents and in the way that you would like to see it, how could we ever think that it's not enough for Jesus to be your friend because he knows you and loves you more than anybody before time began. He has loved you and he has known you and he chose you to be his friend. Mm -hmm. And he is everything to you. And we're still praying for the Lord to move in other ways in your life. But I'm just thankful that that is, that is, that is truth that he is your friend. And then I think about spec and the the fact that you had that moment where Jesus said, I'm your friend. <laughs> I'm your friend. Because I know that was one of the, the hard things that you knew that the Lord was calling you to be alone. What was interesting is even before my renewed mind, when I was still dead set on turning up and, you know, traveling and doing whatever I wanted to do. When the Lord started working with me, mm-hmm. it, the words that he was giving me for what he wanted from me were clear and consistent. They didn't change as my mind was renewed. When mm-hmm. he said something, it was consistent. Mm-hmm. And what I, I didn't understand it, but I was even telling, you know, I, you know, uh, telling a, a woman I was involved with, I said, I know this sounds like bad, but really it's, it's not just about you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, God wants me alone Mm -hmm. and I need to be alone so he can heal me. I need to start over and I need to get not realizing the reason I was keeping people around and not realizing why, what my relationships were based on and not realizing what my perceived friendships were based on. I didn't even get all that. God knew already, but he was already giving me the solution. Mm -hmm. I need to be alone using that word alone. Yeah. Not realizing what, what yielding to that was going to mm-hmm. that at, I was going to be alone. <laughs> I just, it never occurred to me that right. when he said, you need right. to be alone so I can heal you that I was actually going to be alone because mm-hmm. I probably would have fought it tooth and nail. Yeah. But, and in uh, the midst of that, God forged, we like that word forged because it, it was hard. It was apt. fire. God forged this friendship for me to walk with you through what you were yeah. going through. Yeah. But even in that most unlikely, most unlikely, even in that though, I knew that he, he's the one that you have to cling to. Like right. he's the one, right. like I am not the main one. Like right. Jesus is the one. Right. That, and that was very important. That was clear. It was like, yes. Um, you know, and again, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm about to go through this, really big transition and you're a Bible teacher and 
I think it would be good if we were friends so you can assist me in going through this transition. Yeah. It wasn't that mm-hmm. at all. You didn't set out to do that, but God did do that. But the way, the way it was set up, like I could not depend on you for like to not fall. It wasn't Mm-mm. like, it, like yeah, no, I can't keep nah, you. I can't keep yep, Like only, yep. only Jesus can. Uh uh-uh, uh. You could help me. You could tell me what thus saith the Lord. You could encourage. Mm-hmm. You could, you, you could, you know, bring attention to this and that and call me on the carpet. You know, keep it real, keep it 100. But it all led me to that moment, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. As, much, as many times as I've read it throughout my life and heard it and sang it and played it as I, when I was a musician. Mm-hmm that he calls us friend it i just never occurred to me that that was like could be real it was i want you to speak to the song that you just wrote we did a song called friends oh yeah okay season two soundtrack and the story that you told on this podcast a few minutes ago about being locked out you put that in the lyrics and i was so shocked it was interesting because I did a song called Friends and we just wrote our parts. Um, I prayed before I wrote it. I, I waited to the end. And as I was writing and the words were coming to me, I was like, no, I'm not putting this story out here. No, I'm not going to put this in a song. This is not cool. This is, but it was that. And I'll just say the lyrics, but I was like, it was the same story. I was like, I was like, I don't know. I guess I was never good being alone. Um, I was like, um, you know, quick. I don't want them to leave me. I'll act like I'm perfect. I'll build up my value and I'll hope they think I'm worth it. And then I, and I was like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And then I came back the next day and finished it and it just got even deeper, but it was therapeutic. And it was just like, probably because, um, I got home and those the locks were changed when I was a teen. And then it just, so at this point I'm writing, I'm in tears, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in tears. And this statement came out and it was a little too honest, but I, I kept it. And it says, I guess my sister was important enough to raise or valuable enough to raise. Um, but not me. Right. Um, and then I was just talking to God, like, I, and even though I broke your heart a million times, you didn't leave. Mm. You took my pain, my sin, my shame, and loved me until I was free. Because in that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It was like he was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. I thought about, you know, when, when I was parentless and I know my dad would take issue with that but again um, that's life I didn't grow up with him I didn't feel like I can just call him up he was in a whole other city so when I was parentless and went to steal lunch that day God was with me I could have gotten caught I could have been in jail I could have had a record and I just think about all the other unmentionable things that have happened I was like you let me take a lot of bruises, but this could have been a lot worse. And you knew this day was coming where it would come to a head and I would surrender and you would still be there like you were there then. 
that was the thing. I never thought God could be my friend because I was like, I have to be perfect. You know, I'm 18 years old. It's my mom's responsibility to take care of me. And I mess up. And now you're no longer my parent. That relationship seemed just as important to me as God and all of his promises. And I, so if I mess up once, then, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not yours anymore. So mm-hmm. that I, I dealt with that a lot. And so again, just recently and in, in, in that song, I, um, I, I realized that, um, it doesn't have to do with being perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I surrendered my life to him. I know him and he, he bears with me and um, he died for me. So he's dealt with a lot of offenses, you know, so he died for my sins. So we can work through some other stuff, you know, and I've learned to trust God that he will be there and that like he doesn't leave and then come back when I'm doing well. And then when I sin again, then he's like far, far away again. And mm-hmm. then when I'm doing well, then he's, you know, super good. Oh my gosh. I haven't had a wayward thought in five days. I know God is here now. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my gosh, you know, man, last night was a struggle. Uh, I, I guess I can't pray today, mm-hmm. you know, but no, he's a friend and he's there. And Amen. yeah, that is, has changed, changed a lot. It's emotional for you right now. No, I super, it's super emotional. Like, it's cause it's like that shaped the last 20 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I've wasted so much time trying to manipulate people into wanting to be around me. Like people know me as like the ultimate social butterfly. Mm-hmm. I actually like being alone. Mm-hmm. Like my very, the very core of my existence and what people know about me and who I think I am or thought I was has changed since I've been free of just needing to try to keep people around, trying to battle the loneliness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and truly, you know, being, knowing that God is my friend and Jesus is my friend and he will not leave Mm -hmm. has, has changed my whole demeanor, the whole way I proceed. I can be alone now um, because I'm never alone. If you get that. So, yeah, that wasn't in the show notes. (laughs) I just want to add um, to this discussion. I can't say that I have battled loneliness, but I have had periods of loneliness. I think that something that we don't really talk about is you can be married and have periods of loneliness. It doesn't it's not dependent on necessarily who's around you or how close the people are to you. You can just have periods of loneliness or um, just not feel that you have somebody that you can talk to about certain things. And and like you said, Quentin, sometimes the enemy will just make you feel that you don't have whatever it is that you need. And so the concept of clinging to God was so meaningful to me when I first saw that in Deuteronomy that I could have that closeness with the Lord and that I could just abide with him in that way. And that Jesus is my friend. And so even though I can't say that I've battled with loneliness, I still very much need Jesus to be my best friend. I need 
to cling to him. I need um I need him as my main friend that he is my go to. You know, just I have a husband, I have kids, I have friends, but Jesus is my go to friend. He's the one I talk to all day long. He's the one I run to when something happens in my life. He's the one that I want to share everything with. And so as we've heard um, these stories from Speck and Quentin and how they have seen and gotten to know Jesus as their friend and it's been uh, an actual lifesaver. He has been an actual lifesaver. It should be the case for all of us that Jesus be our best friend, no matter how many people you may have in your life at the center should be Jesus, right? We need a constant mm-hmm. and know a truth. Yes. Because obviously loneliness can be manipulated. It's not based on truth. Yes. Yes. So, but Jesus being a friend is truth. Is truth. Stand on that. And I think this will be a good note to end on. Mm-hmm. Jesus being friend is the truth. And then when the enemy comes against that truth to say that, oh, well, he's not really your friend because you messed up today. Mm-hmm. So... He's not your friend today. Stand on this truth. Romans 8, starting with verse 35. Who will separate us Mm -hmm. from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus as our friend is a sure thing for eternity. You can't get more gospel friends. You can't get, get more gospel friends. He, is, he is the gospel that, friend. I, he is the gospel that friend. Is gospel friendship indeed. Yes. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Gospel Friendship. Thanks so much for joining us. We would love it if you would rate and review the show on iTunes. Also, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already, as well as your favorite podcast player. And if you want to go behind the scenes of this friendship, including all kinds of bonus content, check us out on Patreon. We would love your support. And we would love to hear your thoughts at gospelfriendshippodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you soon on the next Gospel Friendship Podcast.